What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour Hoops. One-stop shop for everything NBA here. Dunny, Steve, and Amari today. Special guest, reoccurring guest, Amari. Jake is feeling a little under the weather, but he sends his best. He still put together the uh, props and pick graphics that will be out on Twitter if you guys want to go take a look at our picks. But today we have a lot to talk about. About a month into the season, Steve, Amari, how are you guys feeling about a month in here? Get the, get the monthly check. Get anything off your chest? How are you guys feeling month into the NBA season? I'll let the guests start. How are you doing, Amari? I'm doing good. NBA, I mean, as always, it's drama, a lot of drama early on. I mean, <laughs> it's not even Thanksgiving yet, and we already got a bunch of storylines. So I'm ready to get into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing good, Dunny. Uh, obviously, I wasn't here last week because I was lucky yes. enough to be able to get blessed by opening the holy grail of basketball boxes, the Fleer 86, 87, Jordan, Bird, Rookie Chasing, just the best. That was awesome. And I wasn't here with the start of college basketball this past Monday. So now no. I got college basketball full slate every night. We just had a great couple games yesterday with Kentucky, Michigan State, and then Duke, Kansas. On top of that, we had some awesome NBA games. And it's just, I mean, my life now is just going to be basketball for the next four months. And I, I cannot wait. It's It's been a great start to the season so far. We've had a lot of surprise teams that I think we talked about earlier you know, a few weeks ago, Dunny, where we thought they were going to fall off, and some of them haven't fallen off yeah. yet. So the NBA, as Amari said, it's always going to be a lot of drama at the start of the year. But we've had a lot more surprises at the start of this year than I kind of expected going into the season. Yeah, man. I mean, and I, I can't believe I dropped the ball there and didn't bring up the college basketball because, of course, we have that <laughs> back too. Actually, yeah, and you, you hit the nail on the head, too, because I texted you a uh, day before the Kansas-Duke matchup and said, who do you like to start the year? You said Kansas. They won outright yesterday, even though they're an underdog on the sports book. So you, you're starting out the college season hot. We got that. <laughs> yeah, we got NBA, like you said, and just full steam ahead NBA. I mean, Amari mentioned it. We already have some drama. That's what we're going to talk about today. Quite a few different storylines here. We're going to be talking about MVP, uh, a few a few guys, a few big names, talking out to the media, having some questionable qu quotes that will break down, some disgruntled NBA players, and then so many trade rumors I've come across yeah. on Twitter already for only a month into the season. Uh, before we get into all that, just a few housekeeping things, some news. Desmond Bain out a couple weeks, which we already saw last night, um, was a, a big hit to the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. They lost to the Pelicans because it appeared they couldn't score in the fourth quarter. Desmond Bain is among league leaders uh, in fourth quarter points, so not really a surprise there. But that's, uh, you know, it's only a couple weeks, but that's a decent hit for Memphis when they it seems like they're finding their stride to start the season. Yeah, so, I mean – 
It's a huge hit. He has turned into, and I know Jaws the best player, but he's turned into the 1B offensive option. Yeah. We saw him take a jump last year, and I thought he was one of the most improved players. Obviously, Ja gave him the most improved player award. We saw him take that jump. He's taken another jump this year. Desmond Bain's averaging around 25 points a game. He's also been a playmaker for this team, averaging around five assists as well. He's done everything for this Memphis Grizzlies team, and it's just the worst timing, right? Because Jaron Jackson finally comes back. You finally have Jaron Jackson slowly getting fully healthy again, and now you lose Bain for a couple weeks. I want to see this Grizzly team at full health because I think the sky's the limit for them. But once again, we talk about some surprises this year. I, you know I've always loved Desmond Bain, Donnie. I've always been a huge Desmond Bain fan, yeah. but I didn't even expect him to take this type of jump again. So it's a really unfortunate injury for a guy who's having not just another you know breakout season, but he's, he's an all-star right now. He will be on the all-star team if he keeps up what he's doing, putting up the numbers he has. And not only doing that, he's doing it so efficiently, shooting the ball. I mean, it feels like every single night you look at the box court, Desmond Bain's like five of nine from three, four of eight from three. Like, he's just making the shots, and he's helping the Grizzlies out so much. So to lose him for a few weeks, it's tough. But if there's anyone who can come back, it's going to be Desmond Bain. Yeah. 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 I definitely agree with everything you just said. I mean, we know Ja won most improved player last year. I actually thought Desmond Bain should have won it. I think since he didn't win it last year, if he keeps it up, I can predict that Desmond Bain should win it this year. He'll definitely, like you said, be an all-star this year, averaging about 25 points a game, yeah. uh, 45% from three. Um, because it's so early in the season, I think they'll be okay. Like you said, it is unfortunate with Jaron Jackson, the way he's playing, and then you lose Desmond Bain for a couple weeks. But I think because it's not a, a super long-term injury, he'll come back and they'll be fine down the long haul. I have them, you know, at least top four maybe. And if he had played up to his potential last year in the playoffs, I think they knock off the Warriors. So I think they'll be just fine this year. Yeah, for sure. That's why, you know, like, like the both of you guys alluded to, like – tough for the the individual because of how hot he started this season but you don't really worry about this Grizzlies group I mean look at what they did last year without Ja it was yeah. 20 and 3 or something in his absence something crazy <laughs> like that they just continued to win games um so you ex although they lost to the Pelicans last night you expect them to continue winning and stay in that you know same tier that they've been in the last couple of seasons now and especially like you mentioned Steve they they got Jaron Jackson back. It sucks. Yes. That it was kind of a swap. Bain went out <laughs> as soon as he came back into the lineup. But that that's a team to watch. That's going to be an exciting group uh, once they're at full strength. The only other really injury news, or at least big injury news, is uh, it's kind of interesting. LeBron, as we know, he's he's been sidelined. Darvin Ham made a comment at the beginning of the week that he's it, it's probably best if they – keep LeBron on the sideline for the remainder of this week. I, I don't know how long that's going to last. We saw the Nets get one of their three wins without LeBron um, against the Nets the other night. I mean, this is this is a team that we're probably exhausted talking about too, much like the Nets who we're going to talk about in a little bit. But, I mean, what, what do you guys think about this LeBron injury? I – I, I thought it was interesting they were able to, to, to grab some wins without him um, and him on the sideline. I don't think it's because he's not playing while they're grabbing wins. I do think um, guys like Westbrook are, are starting to play a little better. Maybe maybe they're getting a feel. I think Lonnie Walker had 25 points uh, 
being a starter that game against the Nets. So maybe they're just figuring a, a few more things out. I know they have Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant coming back into the lineup Friday, I believe was the report from Sham. So, yeah, what, what, what do you guys think about LeBron being sidelined and uh, where, where the Lakers are at right now? I mean, obviously the Lakers aren't in a great spot. You look at their record, you kept them playing this year. They're in a tough spot, especially when they don't have their first-round pickets going to the Pelicans, who look great. But I think we just have to, you know, it's LeBron's old. LeBron is getting old. He's finally, like, showing age, and it's probably the Lakers are like, all right, we're probably not a great team this year. Let's rest him a little more. Let's not rush him back and ruin our season completely if we bring him back too early and he gets, you know, he gets real serious injury. So keep him on the sideline and let other guys. What is the biggest complaint we've said about the Lakers all year long, Dunny? No one else besides Braun wanted to step up. We've seen with LeBron on the sideline. Westbrook has been playing some of his best games. Anthony Davis has had some monster games. And there have been some role players coming off the bench who have been playing a little bit better. Now, that's not saying, oh, LeBron makes the team worse. Because you see all the LeBron haters being like, oh, the Lakers record yeah, with LeBron this year. <laughs> Lakers record without LeBron. Like, yeah, of course it's a meme. But at the end of the day... Like LeBron James, one of the best basketball players in the league when he's on the court. But if you need to rest him a little bit because you don't think he's fully healthy and he is getting older, just rest him. This Lakers team is not win now. Maybe they make a few trades and try to get into that win now mentality. But the only way to get there right now is to have the players around LeBron just get confidence, just play better. And we've seen a little bit. We've seen a little more. Yeah, they're t they're getting more opportunities, right? They're having more, sh being able to take more shots, maybe being able to run the offense a little more. That's been my biggest complaint with Westbrook on the Lakers is Westbrook's not a guy who just wants to stand around on the three-point arc pass and take open shots. He's someone who wants to facilitate the offense. He wants to run through the offense. He wants to be the one making his teammates take those open shots. And it's helped him a little bit with no LeBron there. I, I'm not saying LeBron's the reason Lakers have been bad. The Lakers have been a mess all year long because they don't have the depth. But don't rush LeBron back. Just try to see if you can have some guys. You can just at least get a core around him for this year because the Lakers aren't really in a spot to rebuild, and they're also not playing well enough to be in win now. So in that weird you know, kind of situation where they're in the middle, where do we try to buy, like, make some big trades, get some players, or do we just sell it off completely? So I'm not surprised at all that they're not rushing LeBron back because they got to figure out the identity of their team first. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. At first, I thought it was weird to – well, it's kind of the best time for him to, you know, take, a, take some time off or whatever because it's the beginning of the season. But to your point, yeah. because of how old he is, if he's not fully healthy, if he's not 100%, then don't bring him back. And yeah. what I think that does is you get those extra opportunities for those bench players and those role players with him gone so that when he comes back, not to say that LeBron is just another guy, but he's just an added piece because he, even at what, 38, he yeah. shouldn't be your best player, but he still is your best player. Oh yeah. So oh, you yeah. insert him back into that lineup that during those late game crunch uh, clutch opportunities, those young players, they have those reps, live reps that they've had while he was gone that they'll be able to go back to when he finally is back. And to your point, because they are so in between right now, they have, the players where they shouldn't rebuild, but they're so bad that they should rebuild. Mm -hmm. So if they can get those stack those wins up towards the trade deadline and then make a move and see what we can do, maybe they could make a run towards the end of the season. But right now, sure, it is, you know, it, I guess best for him to sit out so that those young guys can get those opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, they are in such a unique situation. And my first thought, actually, when Darvin Ham said, you know, maybe we'll hold them for extended time, 
this might be the first season where we see legit load management from LeBron. It's yeah. weird because they aren't really in the best place to do that record-wise. It is still very early, though. But it, it did get me thinking when I saw that first reported. I'm like, wow, maybe we see a Kawhi Leonard-type season for LeBron James and like literally just keep this guy fresh as possible. So in the off chance that you do find yourself atop the West or at least in a playoff picture towards the end of the year, you have a fresh LeBron James. So, yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the Lakers a little more um, towards the end of the show with these trade rumors because they're they're apparently seeking everyone in trades always. So <laughs> always. Um, but but we know that. Let's Except let's get into the people the that they should get in a trade. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> they keep shooting themselves it's, it's, in the foot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's never realistic rumors, but that that uh that that's the Los Angeles Lakers for you. Let's get into the MVP race, guys. Um, I in the dock, I I am doing some victory lapping about my Celtics here. Jason Tatum atop the MVP race yesterday. He was kind of sitting there alone, but me and Steve were talking before we jumped on. Luca, Giannis, and for me, I think that's going to be the three. Or at least it seems that way. It will Not be those three group. guys all year long. Not a bad yeah. group right there. <laughs> I just – the way they're playing and, like, when you compare numbers, like when they show graphics on the, the score bugs in the middle of games and they do scoring leaders, like the numbers they show and the stats we're looking at, it it's clear at least right now Giannis, Luka, and Tatum are, are in a league of their own. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's incredible, I think – you know, Giannis and, and Tatum both have the records on their side, like both sitting on top of the East. The The Mavericks are actually have started the season better than I thought they might, uh, might have. The The team looks a little better than maybe I was giving them credit for coming in. Um, and, yeah, Steve, I'll let you talk about your guy Luca here in a sec. But Tatum averaging 32 points per game, seven rebounds per game, four assists per game, a steal and a block in there. I mean, he, he's doing it on both ends. Luca, you know, we should, like you have here, don't sleep on this guy, right? It's, it's Luca Doncic. He's hitting buzzer beaters. He's silencing the crowd. He's, he's doing his thing. <laughs> did, you guys, the, did you guys see I, that, by the way? He silenced the Mavericks crowd. And then at the, uh, the post-game press conference, he goes, I just, I was wanted to celebrate. He's like, I didn't know what to do. He's like, I didn't even realize it. And it, yeah. it was so funny, too, because he was just caught up in the moment there. He wasn't even expected to shoot that ball. I think it was supposed to be dim with you or whatnot. It was a bad pass. It was just kind of tipped. Shot clock's mm-hmm. expiring. He's just behind him. He just chucks it up. Next thing you know, it's a one-point to a four-point game. Of course, Luca hits that. Luca Magic and Dallas. He owns the Clippers. If you talk about a player that owns Owns a team they play against. Luka Doncic owns the Clippers. And once again, I sound like a broken record, Dunny, but he's doing this with limited help once again on the Mavericks. And it's one of those, if you want to win the MVP, and this is no nothing against Tatum at all, but Tatum has such a good team around him right now. Luka's doing this with, you know, Christian Wood coming off the bench. He's been playing all right, but an inconsistent Reggie Bullock, an inconsistent Dorian Finney-Smith. And then you have Giannis on the other side, who the Bucs started off undefeated. They've been unbelievable this year. 
Drew Holiday's missed some games. Chris Middleton hasn't played this year. Brooke Lopez has probably been their second best offensive option. And then you have Javon Carter, who has emerged. And it's you just look at what Giannis and Luka are doing. And I can even say Tatum, too, even though the Celtics have been a very good team this year. But they're just putting these teams on their back to the mm -hmm. point where it's like, they even if they're not scoring – 35 a night or whatnot or even if they go through like an entire quarter when they only take two shots they're the ones setting up their teammates and that's something that we talked about a little bit last year Dunning that we saw Tatum do in the playoffs and I'm like I want to see him do it more this year and he has he has turned into that tier one 1A type of superstar talent in the NBA now where if you asked me about a month ago I think I saw this online Twitter where it was like starting a franchise tomorrow rank these five and it was Luka Doncic, um, Giannis, you had John Morant, Jason Tatum, and Nikola Jokic were the five. And it's crazy to me that the back-to-back -back MVP is probably number five on that list. And I also think it's kind of crazy that Tatum, who – I think two years ago or even last year at some point was not in people's top 10 players in the league. You could make an argument Tatum's at least two on that list. He could be three or two. I think you can Giannis. I think you have to put it number one. And then I think you can make the argument Luca or Tatum. If you're starting a team tomorrow, who would you rather have? Because people also forget Tatum's what, 24 years old. He's, yeah, he's still yeah, a yeah, yeah. So it's, it's been unbelievable what he's done. Well-deserved the jump he had. I think he's been the one who's shortened his MVP odds. The most out of anyone in the NBA. I think he started at 15, 14 to one at the start of the year. Now he's at basically four to one. And I know Donnie, you, you're not going to want to say, Oh, it's Celtics bias. It's no longer Celtics bias. He is one of the best superstars in the NBA and he deserves to be in the group with the names of those guys. And Jason Tatum has not just been a pure scorer, but he's just turned into an all around superstar on both ends of the court. And I think this is going to be one of the more exciting MVP races, just hoping all three guys can stay healthy because I think you're right, Donnie. I think this is going to be the three we see the remainder of the year. Yeah. Amari, what do you think? You think we're forgetting someone here or is this, or is this the three guys you, you'll probably be looking at all season long? I, we no, know it's I early, think, but. Yeah, I think these will be the three. What I would like to see is for Luca and his team to have a better record necessarily. I know it's not all his fault. Like, like Steve was saying, he is on limited help. And to me, that's where I go back and forth with the definition of what an MVP is, because Luca is clearly more valuable to Dallas than the other players are. And it's mostly because of him where they're at. But for me, um, I like to see Jason Tatum as a front runner because, you know, to me, for a guy that a lot of people say disappeared in the finals, he looks hungrier. He looks like he took another step surprisingly he's already been good uh, it looks, looks like he took another step from last season and looks like he wants to get back to the finals and win it I mean to me I think I would like to see him um, shoot at a higher clip than he is is about 49 right now um, mm -hmm. comparison like Lucas closer to 50 um, but he's shooting a way better three-point percentage than Luca is right now and taking less I think less shots I could be wrong on that part but um, yeah to me it's Jason Tatum right now because um, sitting at 11 and three he's first place in the east like I said uh, Dallas is about eight and five they're kind of in the middle but uh, to me it's Jason Tatum because of where he's at I think he's the clear front runner on that team and they're clearly right now record-wise the best in the east and I don't think you can take that away from them even no. though they're only like a half game over Giannis right now he's playing well too don't get me wrong but I do think there's a little bit of like uh, fatigue if you will because Giannis has already won it twice 
Um, so, you know, to me, it's Jason Tatum right now. Yeah. And, Steve, I, I wanted to just touch on something you brought up because I was going to bring this up in this conversation. It doesn't really have to do with the MVP uh, award necessarily, but it's crazy that we're only – well, I guess, you know, it, there's a discrepancy between, between how many uh, – games these teams have played but the Celtics in particular have played 14 games here right we're only 14 games into this season and at the end of last year so not even a not even a year ago less than a year ago at the end of last season people weren't ready to say Tatum's better than Jimmy Butler Tatum's better than Paul George he clears those guys now in my opinion Easy. Yeah. No, and, and and I know with you being a Celtics fan, it's sometimes in the back of your head, it's like, oh, this might be a little biased. It's no longer yeah. biased, honey. And I also would put Tatum over Booker without question at this yes. point, too. Yes, I, that's another I, name. I was going to say, I'm glad you just brought that up because I remember a, a previous show that I was on, we talked about Devin Booker and mm-hmm. whether or not we thought Jason Tatum was better than Devin Booker, whatever the case may be. To, to Dunny's point, I think he clears Devin Booker right now, too. He's clearly yes. one of the very best players in the league right now. He'll continue to get better at that because, like we say, he's only 24 years old, so he's got a lot of time ahead of him, too. Yeah, I, I think he has proven, and I think now he's shown – you know, carried over from his run in the playoffs and the second half of last year to the start of this year. He's proven he can do everything on the basketball court, right? He can defend. He can have on-ball defense. He can create his own shot. He can be the one who will get double covered and will make the ridiculous cross-court pass to a wide-open teammate. He can be a monster on the board some nights. He's an all-around superstar. He can do everything. And when you look at like someone like that, you have to put him up there with the other names. And I would go as far to say right now, like I would put him up above John Morant. I would put Tatum. I think the only guys right now I would have over Tatum in terms, I think it's just like if I had to rank, you know, someone's like rank the players you'd want for this year. I think Mm -hmm. you have to put Giannis and Luka above him. I would say LeBron James and Kevin Durant just because they, I mean, when they're on the court, it's LeBron James and Kevin Durant. They've been the best basketball players in the world for the past 10 years. And then probably Steph Curry. And other, yes, after that, I think Tatum. I think Tatum six. I don't see. I mean, maybe Joel Embiid. You can make the argument, right? I think that's a fair argument you could make. You can make the argument with Jokic because he's won two MVPs. But if you put a gun to my head right now and you said, Steve, who would you rather have for the rest of this year, full healthy, right? Jason Tatum or Nikola Jokic? I'm taking Jason Tatum. I am. I, I just yeah, think he's a better overall player. Yeah, he's eliminated the question of whether or not he's a top 10 player from last season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with him being a front-runner for MVP at the top of the East right now, there's no question. There's a, a small, very limited amount of names that you can easily put above him. And then it gets a little bit murky, but yes. no question that he's top 10, arguably top five right now. Yeah, I think I, mean, I, think I, makes I may slot score. like Steph Curry or so, but okay. I get why you would put him in there. But, argue, I mean, undoubtedly top 10 for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you and I think you could make the argument for top five, and I wouldn't argue with you. If the only one I would say I don't think it is probably Giannis right now. If you want to say, oh, Tatum's playing better than Kevin Durant, I'm like, okay, you know, the Nets have not been good. The Celtics have been yeah. a lot better. You can make that argument. You want to say Tatum's been playing better than LeBron this year? You can make that argument. Tatum better than Luca? He's shooting better than Luca. Luca's putting up the numbers, but he's shooting 29 percent from three. He's turning over the ball. Tatum's a much more polished defender. So I think you can 
can make the argument up to basically every player in the NBA besides maybe Giannis right now for Tatum. And from a year ago to now, Tatum's come such a long way to where I think Celtics fans kind of saw this because they watched him every game, right? And they saw the type of potential he had. He's finally get he's playing to that potential now where I think even the most anti-Tatum haters are finally like, okay, he's a superstar. And he's yeah. more than that. He is a arguably top five player, top five talent in the NBA. Yeah, and just just the, the last thing here on Tatum to uh, kind of put a bow on this. Uh, I, Amari, you kind of alluded to this. The it's it's the mentality too. Like he he had a sour taste in his mouth from the finals last year. He keeps bringing that up, and I watch every Celtics game, so it's it's kind of stuff that I'm seeing that you know people listening or you guys might not see. But like he literally is just so much more poised on the court too. Like he's he's not smiling nearly as much. Which not saying you can't smile, but like he is in go mode even in September, like October, Kobe. November games. No smiles, all buckets. Right. And he's he's not arguing with officials as much. He's not turning the ball over as much. Like these are the things that make you an MVP. He's there. These three guys, it's going to be – I mean, if these are the three guys all season long, it's going to be such a fun MVP race. Yes. Um, I, I kind of hope there's a few names, you know, that we can throw here, in here and there um, throughout the Dunning. season. I mean, Amari's on the show. I have to bring this up to Amari. Donovan yeah. Mitchell is yeah, playing. Be there. He's playing like an MVP. I'm looking at the odds right now. He's seventh, I think seventh shortest odds, and he's in the group after Giannis, Luca, Tatum, Embiid, Curry, John Morant, Donovan Mitchell. I, yeah. I mean, he's you right have there. to be. Obviously, you're the Cavs fan, Amari. You have to be hyped with this. Maybe even a little bit surprised because I, I, you know, I thought he's a good player. I didn't expect him to play like this. But Donovan Mitchell's another one who. The start of this year has just thrown his name in the group of the guys we used to compare him to. He might be better than maybe, maybe he had to get out of Utah. Maybe he had to escape Gobert a little bit because we're seeing Donovan Mitchell on a good, well-rounded Cavs team. And he's blowing my mind too. I mean, both these guys from the same class, Tatum and Mitchell, I think have been two of the most impressive players in the entire league this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have no rebuttal. I completely, with everything you're saying, averaging over 30, shooting about 52, 53% yeah. from the field. He's kind of been out with a little bit of injury. But mm -hmm. to your point, I mean, it kind of has been a surprise uh, a little bit, to be honest, because not that he hasn't, you know, been good in before, but to take that extra step yeah. that he's doing right now on what is arguably a better team, like you said, it is more well-rounded. It's not as top-heavy as the Jazz were when, when he was there. So I think that also helps. He has a true point guard that can yes. facilitate the ball, but also score at the same time. I mean, what did he just score? Like 50-something the other day? 27 in the fourth or something? Unreal. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I mean, it, it has been a surprise, a pleasant surprise, I'll add. But it has been a bit of a surprise um, with him being, you know, as good as he's been. And but uh, with a little bit of the injuries, they've kind of fallen off. They've lost like three in a row yeah. a little bit. So, uh, you know, it's okay. But definitely a ple pleasant surprise. You have to be excited as a Cavs fan, though, to see how that team, when they're playing together at full health, oh, that starting five can uh, go he up. Makes it, he makes it look effortless. Watching the games, effortless. all games, it makes it look effortless. I mean, he's making ridiculous shots. Every time he shoots the ball, you have that confidence that it's going in. You don't question anything that he's doing. And it's, it's become clear he's been a clear leader on this team, both uh, on the court and off the court as well. I mean, all he wants to do is just fit in, and he's doing exactly that with that team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that was our MVP talk for the day, guys. 
Um, let's let's get into a team we never want to talk about, but we always have to. Always do. They're in the news. Uh, it's it's mostly quotes that we got from players today and the organization, um, the Nets, and all the question marks surrounding that team. Let's start uh, by the Shams report we got this morning. The Nets are growing frustrated with Ben Simmons. Surprise! Shocking. Uh, yeah, he um apparently they're questioning his drive to play basketball, and then they're not really pleased what he's doing when he is on the court. So. Uh, I think most Nets fans probably feel the same way. I think the Ben Simmons experience has been uh, nothing short of bad. I would call it a failure. Yeah, I would call it a failure. I say, is it too early to call it a failure? Um, I mean, do, it's, we, really, it's just so do we really think he's going to turn it around to the point where I – I don't know. I mean, he's not going to start magically shooting shots from main school. But, I mean, with how early it is, and it's, you know, from last season, him not playing after the trade deadline, I think he had surgery in the offseason. So, I mean, to, for me, I'm a patient person. So, I'd say give yeah. him just a little bit more time, especially with Kyrie being out before you mm-hmm. can say, okay, the failure or this has, you know, succeeded or whatever. But um, really quick before you keep going, I think we did uh, who won the, the Brooklyn-Philadelphia trade, and clearly I was wrong. It was clearly Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I was on your side too, though, Amari. I think I was on the Brooklyn side too, and yeah, yeah I think Philly got that one. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I can agree with that too. Like, it is early to call it a, an entire failure. I just think, as far it's as not expect- going great. Yeah, as far as expects expectations of this deal. I think you could say it's a failure from that standpoint, but like we don't know. Like Ben Simmons could easily be like an All Star for the Nets next year or something. We don't know. We know the talent's there. It's just where where is this head at? Is the talent still there? Like, is this was this injury, this surgery? Could it be a career changer for him? I'm not saying he's going to be out of the league, but I mean he's coming off the bench right now and he's supposedly fully healthy. So it's like, what? And is that a mental thing? Would does he prefer coming off the bench or? Is he now upset with his teammate Kevin Durant, who his news his quote was also in the news today because he basically just rattled off the starting lineup, which includes him, and said, "What what do you guys expect with this group?" And he did say, like, you know, no disrespect to them, but that's basically saying no disrespect, but also fuck you guys. Yeah. Um, because he said no disrespect as he was disrespecting his teammates, saying, basically, what do you expect from me, Royce, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton and company? Like, yeah. l- listen, listen to the names I'm listing off, guys. I'm Kevin Durant, yes, but you can't expect to just win because I'm on the floor is basically the gist of what KD was saying, which in some way it's warranted, but he also at the same time asked for all this. I mean, we're we're just back at square one with the Nets being an absolute mess, and really, no one inside the organization or outside have any idea what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think with KD, I think I can see kind of both sides of KD's frustration and KD just being KD, where 
Kevin Durant this year, all credit goes to him. He's played all 15 games for the Brooklyn Nets. As bad as they've been, he's played all 15 games. He has been balling out for them. I think he's averaging 36 and 6. He's shooting well from the field. He's been playing pretty good defense this year. He's been the only one on the team who seems to wants to play defense. And he's been great. And I think Kevin Durant, it's not necessarily him calling out his teammates. I think he's just frustrated because Kyrie Irving's not on the court. He's getting a 50% effort from Ben Simmons. And that was where he left where he was everything was handed to him in golden state where it was the perfect situation for a guy like kevin durant and i think partly the reason he left is because of everyone hating on him for going to golden state in the first place and he's like all right i want to prove that i'm a superstar can win i it's not like i'm only can win on this team i can win elsewhere and he figured all right i'll team up with a guy kyrie irving who's kind of in the same boat with me where he wants to kind of prove his legacy and we'll you know build a team in brooklyn we'll win together and kyrie has never really been 100 percent in with this brooklyn nets team and we all know the off the off the court issue with kyrie as well it feels like the past three years it's been just a different off court issue with kyrie that has popped up and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse as the years go on and it's just built up the frustration to Kevin Durant where I think he wants out of Brooklyn which is no shock to anyone and it's not him necessarily shitting on his teammates or calling them out but it's basically a cry for help where he's like listen I'm putting in 110% effort right now I messed up coming here I know it was my mistake I messed up but he needs to get out of there or something needs to change because he's like I'm wasting an unbelievable season, some you know, of my last best years on the court. I'm wasting them with this team because no one else wants to care about this Brooklyn Nets basketball team or the stars, the other stars on this team don't care about basketball. They don't care about me. And yeah. we know Kevin Durant, he's a petty guy. Kevin Durant expresses his feelings, whether it's in a post-game press conferences, through his burner accounts, whatever it is. Kevin Durant <laughs> is not afraid to speak his mind. And I think that's basically what it was. It's not him saying Nick Claxton's a bad player, doesn't deserve to be on the court, or he hates Royce O'Neal. It's just like, listen, I'm giving it my all. It was a mistake to come here, essentially. And it's basically, I think, a cry for help where he's like, Something needs to change or I need to get out of Brooklyn. And from that side of it, I agree with Kevin Durant because I would be frustrated too if I'm putting up those type of numbers. If I'm the one who's been working back from injuries to become a superstar, best player to best one of the best players in the NBA again, and no one else on my team is kind of following suit. But on the other side of it for KD, it's like, listen, man, like you should have expected this. Like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, you can't just keep running away from your problems every year. And, like, you had it good in Golden State. Yes, yes, people were hating on you. Yes, they were like, oh, he left OKC to go to Golden State. He's not a true champion. He let it get in his head. And it's like, it, it's just kind of both sides with Kevin Durant, right? I want to root for the guy. I want to be like, all right, he's he, he is playing like one of the best players in the NBA right now. There's no doubt about that. And I think he's finally all in on basketball. And I think he never wasn't all in on basketball. I just think it was a few injuries and all the offseason stuff that set him back. But at the same time, too, it's like, man, Kevin Durant, like, you should have seen this coming. Like, you really should have. And it's not the right way to go about it, just kind of going in a post-game press conference and basically throwing a tantrum. Is, is what you're doing when you're calling out your teammates. Because you, 
at the end of the day, that's who you're playing on the court with. does not matter. It's not their fault. They're not the ones who made it so Kyrie's not playing or Ben Simmons isn't trying. You have to deal with what you got, and you got to overcome adversity, and that's something Kevin Durant has always struggled with in his career. He, he, he just doesn't want to overcome adversity. He wants to run from it. He wants the easy way out. And I love Kevin Durant. You know I've always rooted for that guy, but it's hard to keep defending him with this type of stuff. Yeah, I mean, did, was he wrong with anything that he said? No, no, he wasn't. But, but I, you can't, you can't call out your teammates. You can't say no offense to them, but also, this is yeah. where everything is going wrong. And in that same vein, early in the season, you know, he wanted his trade, which completely understandable, right? But when you say it's either me or the coach, me or the GM, and then you rescind that trade request, and then you're back with the team, you have to play under that coach yeah. and that GM. This is this is what you get. This is the bed that you now have to lie in that you yes. made because you're a part of the problem with the Nets. You wanted to be here with Kyrie. You, If you're his friend, you already know what the problem is because he did it in Cleveland. He did it in Boston. I, I would love to re-sign if you guys would have me to turn around and go right to Brooklyn. So this is what you should have known you were getting yourself into when you signed up with the Nets. And sure, the Ben Simmons, ben Simmons thing isn't working out right now. I say it's a little bit early to say it's a complete failure, but so far it's not a good track record. It's not going as good as they thought they thought it is. And to me, it reminds me of when LeBron was in Cleveland the second time around where he said, listen, we're top heavy as shit. And he wasn't wrong in saying that, but at the same time, what it comes off as is not a good thing because you have to go on the court and play with these guys and try to yeah. play as a team and win games. Right. And that's the one thing that you're not doing right now is winning games. And it's only adding to the pressure and the frustration that you're having in Brooklyn when at the beginning of the year, you didn't even want to be here. So now what does that say to your teammates? Is that just another, uh, another thing that they now have to worry about? That maybe you're going to get traded or have another trade request on top of Kyrie not being here. Then if he's gone and Kyrie's gone, now you're stuck with Ben Simmons scoring two, three, and two a game. That's going to get you nowhere. So to me, we all get where KD is coming from, but I don't think you can say these things publicly, even if they already know it. It's just the way that it comes off. But I yeah. mean, this is this is the what the Nets have to deal with. I mean, even the interim coach. I mean, he's not an interim, but his deal is only goes through next season. Mm -hmm. So there's no real yeah. future with this team. We don't know what this team is going to look like. Hell, even at the end of this season. So. I mean, it's all just a big shit show right now, and we just kind of have to wait it out. And like you said, we don't love talking about them, but we kind of have to in the same vein because every other day they're giving us something new to talk about. Even if it's the same thing, it's just something new. And, well, what's going to happen in Brooklyn today? We don't know. So we just kind of have to wait it out. Yeah, and, and the last thing I'll say here, he basically doubled down too because another quote came out, and I, I honestly didn't watch. I didn't I don't know if all these quotes came from the press conference or if they were separate, but there was also a quote where he said the reason he requested the trade was because he didn't want to get all the blame basically when this inevitable shitstorm hit. And so, like, he knew just like everybody else that, that it was going the wrong direction. It was going sideways. It was going south, whatever you want to call it. And he didn't want to get the blame for it, which I get. But at the same time, like, dude, people like the numbers will speak for themselves. It's the same reason no one's blaming you right now. You're the golden child of it. And you'd be even more appreciated if you just didn't say any of this stuff. Because and I'm not saying he shouldn't speak his mind like this isn't like a, a shut up or dribble thing by any means. But it's like 
you cr basically created this situation. You wanted to play with Kyrie. You doubled down and said you're cool with Ben being there. You guys are going to be a legit super team, which I think they could be. But for whatever reason, they just do cannot figure it out. They didn't like the coach. Him and Kyrie have like their own problem. They act like they're best friends, but they don't seem to like each other on the court. It's just a jumbled mess of Brooklyn Nets, and this is what it's been. Um, and yeah, so now he's he's saying, you know, he he kind of saw this coming where he's going to get the blame, but I think he thinks that in his head. I don't I don't see that as the case. I mean, we just talked about how well he's playing. He hasn't missed a game. Like you can't blame Kevin Durant for them losing. He hasn't he doesn't have any help, and he does have help. They're literally just not playing. So here we are in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be talking about them again sometime very soon. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> but let's, uh, before we wrap up with a few trades, I, I do want to talk about Clay Thompson quickly before we get to the trade talk, and then, then we'll end the show. But Clay speaks out as well. Uh, he, he thinks that he doesn't get recognized enough or gets too much disrespect for his play as of late because of the injuries that he had to overcome to get back to this point, to win another championship, uh, to get back to the finals, just to get back onto the court. Um, he's yeah. And he said this a couple times this year. I mean, he had the back and forth with Ronnie two K about his three point rating. You know, he was pissed last year about the top 75 stuff. Um, and we know Clay's, you know, you talked about Kevin Durant, Steve being a petty guy. Clay's the yeah. same way. So yeah. no surprise that either of, the, either of these guys have comments like this. I wanted to get your guys' opinion on this, though, because, and again, I don't check me if my bias is getting in the way here because I, you know, I'm still a little sour about the, the finals and the championship last year. So maybe this is just me disliking Clay Thompson from that. But I... I feel like people did give him his flowers last year. I feel like every finals game I watched, the broadcasters said how incredible it was that he was able to overcome and get back to this point. And his shooting splits are pretty awful for one of the greatest shooters of all time this season. Oh, yeah. he's, and he's only averaging – he's averaging under 15 points a game. I, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on this. I – I get it, and you know if that's the way you feel, and you feel like you are being disrespected, go ahead and say it. But I just, I just don't really think that's the case, and his numbers really aren't backing up him playing well. I think it's a little bit of a combination of I think he knows he's struggling, but he doesn't really want to admit it. And I, I think Clay's that type of person too. He's never going to admit that, but he is struggling. He's shooting thirty-five percent from the field, thirty-three percent from three, and I think seventy-two percent from free throws, which are all like career lows for Clay Thompson. And what was the thing we knew about Clay Thompson before the injuries? He's just a walking bucket. He didn't have to do anything else. He would just shoot a shot, and there would be just some games where he would be like, "Oh, Clay Thompson went eight of ten from three this game and that was just kind of the regular and we really haven't seen a blow up clay thompson game like that in a while and i think the combination of the frustration comes from clay thompson knowing he's not playing that well and to your point Dunny, i know commentators and analysts were giving like thompson his flowers but the majority of NBA fans, the ones where you hear all the noise from, was like, Jordan Poole's better, Jordan Poole's better, Jordan Poole's better. That's yeah. all he heard. And Jordan Poole, who, you know, 
played very, very good last year, is struggling this year too, yeah. but no one really wants to bring it up because Jordan Poole's the next one to come in. He's the flashy new splash bro coming off the bench, making these crazy highlight reel type plays, and everyone is like, oh, Clay's the old guy. Get him out of there. He's just the old shooter now. He's not the same player, and I think it's Clay Thompson trying to say like, hey, I still have something left in the tank. I'm still a starter here, but his numbers aren't backing it up, and I think that's what adds to the frustration, and when you have a guy like that who's willing to speak his mind he's never going to directly come out and say oh i'm better than jordan Poole or attack jordan Poole." but he's basically going to be like hey guys like i'm still clay thompson like i'm still one of the greatest shooters of all time which he is accurate with that he's just not playing like that anymore and i'm not going to come on here and be like clay thompson's a bad shooter now but he had so many injuries to overcome. This poor guy, it was like three straight years, but he finally overcame one injury. Then another one popped up, and it was just major injury after major injury. And regardless, Clay, of how good of a player you think you are, it's just tough to get back to that level again. And we kind of saw Steph Curry get back to a level or even better than he has been after his injuries, and Clay just can't do it. I just think it adds to the frustration a little bit. And I think that's really why he's being vocal and speaking his mind about this. Because I don't think Clay Thompson's really ever going to be the player that he was pre-injuries. I think he could still be a great role player for the Warriors, which he kind of was in the playoffs a little bit. But I think Clay Thompson has to kind of, you know, come to the realization that maybe he will never get to be that guy again. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because the Warriors are a great team. They have great players around him. Wiggins has taken another step. I know Poole's struggling, but he's got a ton of potential. I just think it's Clay just feels like he has so much pressure on himself to be the Clay Thompson of old, and that may just not be a reality anymore. Yeah, at, at the risk of sounding like a, uh, a biased Cavs fan uh, for, you know, previous battles, but uh, Clay Thompson, <laughs> to me, he comes off sounding very, uh, not like a sore loser because, I mean, he literally mm -hmm. just won the sports championship, but it's just the constant whining. And when, yeah, yes, yeah. Clay, I know that you came off of two very hard injuries and you missed a lot of time, but when you're publicly feuding with Ronnie 2K of all people, over your three-point rating in, in a video game, to me, it just sounds very, very childish. Like, what are you doing? And to Steve, mm -hmm. Steve's point, yes, you're, you're getting older. You're not the player that you once were. Your shooting splits are 35 and 33%, and you're shooting 72% from from uh, free throw line. In comparison, Jordan Poole, literally all his numbers are better than yours. And yes, I get maybe you don't want to yeah. accept that. Clay Thompson's win shares is minus 0.3 right now, and Jordan Poole's is a full win better than that. Yeah. So I get you may not want to come to that conclusion, but when you're literally getting older and your numbers show it, especially last season in the playoffs, to me, it just sounds just, I don't want to say shut up and dribble because that's not where I'm coming from. But what are you doing? Like people are calling you out on the things that they're seeing. It's all in the numbers. It's not that we don't believe in you. We've all given you your flowers, even as a person that's not a Warriors fan. I miss seeing Klay Thompson out there, and I was happy when he finally came back because of the injuries that he had to overcome. But when you come back and you have these career low numbers that you, you've been putting up since you come back, it's all fair game because we're going off of what we see and the numbers that you're putting out on the floor. So it's not that we're all hating on you, Klay. We're, we're giving you your props. You're going to be a Hall of Famer. You're at worst the third best shooter of all time. 
behind one of you, you know your teammates. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, to me, I have no words. It's 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 just literally baffling to me when it's not like you're putting up Jason Tatum numbers and no. we're all shitting on you. Like right. it's That's all the in the numbers. Too. Like it's all fair game when you put out the numbers that you've been putting out, and it's all literally career lows right now. And and, yeah. and that's the thing, like his like his numbers just aren't backing it up. And and to your point, Amari, with Jordan Poole, who even is struggling a little bit this year, Clay Thompson was out last game against the Kings. He was, you know, he's out with an injury. Jordan Poole started 36 points, 60% from the field. They won by 40. It's just like Clay just has to accept that maybe Poole's just a better player than him now at this point in his career. And the team itself isn't performing right. as well. Which as they adds to the frustration. Last. Right. Yes. I don't know yeah. what the last game was, but when you're winless on the road and you're the the, the reigning champion, that's going to ring a level yeah. of concern from Absolutely. anybody, no matter who's playing right now. So, I mean, and you come out and you're part of that team that's winless on the road and you're putting up the numbers that you're putting up, that's all fair game to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Kerr literally said uh, today that they, they're aware that this is probably the end of their ride, whether it's at the end of this season or the end of next year. He's like, we're, we're all aware it's coming soon. And it might be better if Clay just starts thinking like that a little bit too and just kind of works on himself. Like shooting is how you stay around in this league. And I'm not trying to criticize him any more than he thinks he's already getting right now, but his injuries shouldn't, in theory, affect his jump shot all that much. Like shooting 35%, regard shooting 35% from the field, not three point. He is shooting yeah. 35. Like that is awful. It's 72 yeah. from a spot where you're standing still. Yeah, yeah. like well, a spot it, he usually never struggles at. Never yeah. struggles from the line. It, and like you guys said, it'd be one thing if he was putting up, like, you know, no one expects to put up the, the prime clay numbers, but it's like, dude, you're shooting the ball so poorly and both of your injuries were lower leg injuries. It's like, there's, I get it. It's it's hard to come back for those things. People did give you your flowers when you came back, but you've been back for nearly a year now. All anyone's saying is you'd expect your shooting splits to be better is essentially the criticism you're getting. I don't think... I think he's a, it's a little out of pocket, this, you know, the whining he's doing, but he is Clay Thompson. I get, I get, I get both sides. He's, I think he's being whiny, but at the same time, he's like, look, I'm a hall of famer. One of the best shooters of all time. Treat me that way. That's just, that's just the sad truth. You don't get treated that way. And look at yeah. guys like KD, KD tore his Achilles too and came back and was still playing like an MVP. D Rose dealt with injuries his entire career. And he dealt with people calling him glass knees. He dealt with people telling him he was done four different times on four different teams. And he's still playing in the league. Like people, people have like Clay Thompson. This isn't, you're not the first person that this has happened to. Right. Uh, yeah. Athletes get over stuff like this. They they keep playing. They put their head down. They grind. They get back to that point. And then it's even sweeter to tell you know to tell the haters to fuck off. And uh, I want to make this last point is that yeah. you know it, he's one of the best of all time. Don't get me wrong, but people better than him have also gotten this criticism. So Absolutely. he's not alone in getting this criticism. Yeah. So where you're a great player and the numbers are falling off as you get older, it's natural. But also, can we talk about his own teammate Draymond Green? He's had a very visual drop-off to where yes. people were calling him out on it last year. But guess what? He still played his hardest. He knew what his role was on the team, knew when he didn't play up to his par, and it came out with a championship. And, you know, he's not one that's going to complain about it. He's going to still play hard, be the Draymond Green that they know and love that he can be, that's going to help them win, that 
like I said, just helped them win their fourth championship. So he's not alone on his own team and getting criticism uh, for not performing up to, you know, when you were younger. So, I mean, it's, it's the constant whining for me that it's like, what are you doing? You're not alone in this and you won't be the last person to get this criticism. Right. And, and like I said, and I'm, this is the last thing I'm going to say about it is I think Clay in the back of the head realizes Jordan Poole is going to eventually like emerge over me like as a better player, which I think he might be more talented right now. But I think the Warriors' best interest to put Poole in that starting lineup and maybe give Clay Thompson kind of a role similar to like the Cavs of giving Kevin Love, where you're a guy who can come off the bench, make some threes, you know, do what you need to do on the court, but it's someone you don't have to rely on. Maybe take a little bit of pressure off it because we know Clay Thompson is a better shooter than this. Regardless of injuries, he's a better shooter than 35% of the field, 32% from three. It has to be mental a little bit at this point. And I think maybe the Warriors give him a few nights off or maybe have him come off the bench a little bit, you know, play where he's the main guy in the offense. Maybe not, you know, not the one, not even the one B to Curry anymore, but like the third option after Curry and Wiggins in the starting lineup for who's really taking the shots. Maybe give him some time off the bench. Maybe give him some looks you know with with this second team guys for the most part i just in my opinion like i know clay thompson he's complaining a lot but this has to be mental a lot of off. i know you know eventually you're not going to be able to shoot like the lights out one of the greatest shooters of all time that you normally were but this type of drop off is not just like oh he's getting old and a mechanical this is has to be mental at some point and with the warriors struggling and pool you know all the hype of bomb pool and the playoffs last year and the end of last year like oh he's the next splash bro and clay's kind of falling off i think it's just eating away at him mentally and he's just expressing his frustration yeah it's tough to see and wise men getting sent down to the g league too just like the Warriors are in a weird spot right now. I think they'll bounce back. I think all three of us probably believe that. I do um, too. I ex- yeah, I expect to see them towards the top of the West when the, when the season comes to a close. But it's definitely interesting. And, you know, Steve, the the bench thing, I'm sure Steve Kerr's thought about that. I'm sure a lot of the guys in the Warriors believe that. But if you already have Clay Thompson this disgruntled, like it's it's going to be tough to, you know, even ask. You have to buy into to it. That. Yeah. He'd have to buy into it. And Kevin, that's what Kevin Love has done for the Cavs. Oh, yeah. He has bought into that role, and it's helped immensely off the bench, having a guy like that, a veteran leader. Does, did it with the Celtics. Yes. He came here just admitting that he was the sixth man. He's like, look, yeah. I don't even want to start. He's, and and Brogdon's been hurt, you know, the last couple of weeks. But when he when he played for us to start the season, he was just running the bench unit, and that's that's when he's going to get his. Clay could probably improve his numbers if he came off the bench. And that's what I think, too. And and, and I know it's not a t- fair comparison because this guy doesn't want to come off the bench either. But Westbrook has played better since he's come off yeah. the bench for the Lakers. Sometimes yeah. it just helps mentally to come off the bench a little bit. Just And I think it would help Klay Thompson. And that doesn't mean if Klay Thompson comes off the bench and he starts four or four from three one night that they're like, all right, you're only going to play your 15, 20-minute bench yeah, player role. No, he's still going to play the late-game minutes. He'll still play the important minutes. They'll still want him in there. It's just like maybe it just will help him because 
it's one thing to see a shooting drop off like this, but I, I think uh, part of it has to be mental with Clay, where he's yeah, just in his own head right now. He's struggling. He's hearing it from the fans. He's hearing it from every, all the, the media sources around him. And at the same guy, there's a guy behind him who also plays shooting guard, point guard, shooting guard, but guards are interchangeable at this point, who is eventually probably going to start over him. And it's just, it's probably frustrating him because he sees that the other splash bro, Mr. Steph Curry is playing his best basketball still. Yeah. And Clay's like, why can't that be me? You know what, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, he has so much. Sometimes. Yeah. He's just hearing everything. And you just see Steph Curry playing Steph Curry playing. Like it's one of his best seasons once again, while Clay Thompson yeah. is going the complete opposite direction. It's definitely like eating away at him mentally. Yeah, it's tough, man. Truth, truth hurts. It's a, it's a difficult league, but you know, we'll see. Clay, I'm sure Clay will bounce back. I don't expect yeah. those splits to be that bad all year, and if they no. are, we, we, you know, we, we might have some trouble in Golden State. But I don't. We, we said we we're going to talk trades. Let's just go through this list of rumors that I have up, and instead of breaking down every single one, you guys just tell me either the one you like the best or is yeah. most likely to happen. You guys. You guys can decide. Um, so, yeah, we've I've heard – I don't remember hearing this many trade rumors to start a season. We're only a month in, um, and I'll just run down this list. The Bucks rumored to trade Grayson Allen. I know – I saw a report the other day they were looking to get a defensive front court player in return. Um, Lakers always in trade rumors. I mean, you, you guys pick, really. That's, that's what I have written down, but it's, you know, the Miles Turner stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Westbrook's been rumored to get moved all season, all off season. Who knows? Uh, Heat possibly looking to trade Max Struess, which we've talked about the Heat a couple times this season already. They do not look like they are still poised for a championship run. Probably a move to be made there. Nets rumored to be shopping Joe Harris, which is interesting because he hasn't been shooting the ball well. They probably need to make a move in light of everything that's going on in Brooklyn. Indiana and Miles Turner, which is kind of tied into the Lakers stuff, but he could go elsewhere. It doesn't have to be the Lakers. And then this is the one I saw today. Spurs and Celtics rumored to be talking around Jakob Pertl. Um, I know in the offseason I saw the Spurs wanted two first for Pertl. I don't think the Celtics would be willing to give that up, but it was a rumor I saw. So what do you guys think of those? Um, I know that was a lot, but or if you guys have any other trade rumors you've heard or, or think would uh, work out, what, what do you guys like there? I think Miles Turner has to get traded at some point, right? I think it's inevitable that Miles Turner and Buddy Heald are going to be traded at some point this season from the Pacers. And then Miles Turner, I brought this up on previous shows, I think there's a lot of good landing spots for him where he could help a team out. So I, I think Miles wow. Turner is the one where I think Indiana knows that they're not going to be a team that's really going to win a lot of games this year or compete for the playoffs. But Indiana also knows that they have two superstar guards that they want to build a team around. We've seen it with Tyrese Halliburton, which I know this is a crazy, crazy claim to make. But is there a possibility that Tyrese Halliburton is the best player from his class, better than LaBello and Anthony Edwards a couple years down the road. Is that is that a possibility? Because I that think it could be. I don't think I that's th- that crazy. I think it could be a possibility. And you have that, right? And then Ben Matherin, who probably been the second best rookie 
right after Paolo Bancaro, where the Pacers like, all right, we have these guys. They got to try to get assets and build around them for the future years because this is not the year. Couple, three, two, three years down the road, maybe that's when you really want to try to put a team together. And I think Miles Turner is just the odd man out. He He's someone who still has a lot left in the tank. I think he is a, a great shooting, great defensive big. And he could help out a lot of contending teams that are lacking that type of versatile big man. Um, so I think Miles Turner is the one the Pacers will probably be shopping. And I think he's the one I think a team would probably go after the most out of the, this list here. I don't know. I, I just I feel like Indiana's in that spot where they're like, okay, the future might be bright, but we got to make some moves quick. And Miles Turner's not someone I don't think is going to be part of their future, but could really help a contending team this year. And why, I think sooner than later we'll see him get dealt. I agree. Yeah, I, I agree, and I hate to agree for the sake of having an argument, but I completely agree with everything you said because with Miles Turner, he's he's young enough and still good enough to help a contending yeah. team. And I think if you when you find that right trade partner, I think that trade will help help both teams because you have uh, Halliburton and Heald both averaging about 19 and 20 right now. Mm -hmm. And Heald is their fourth leading scorer, which sucks because you said like he's the odd man out. But the Pacers aren't really going anywhere. So they have these guards that they need to build the team around. And what better piece to trade than Turner, who's been in trade rumors for at least two years now. Yeah, he's only, he's only 26. I, just I know. Exactly. That's <laughs> he can, a contending team would hold on to him for a few years too, right? Yeah, it's not like he, he should be entering his prime right now. Yeah. So if you get on a contending team, he's going to be a very valuable piece for a, a, a playoff contending team year in and year out right now. So I think for me, that's the trade right now because I don't see – uh, a good landing spot for any of these other names right now. I don't see how they will get better or, or worse, you know, with who they trade, depending on who they get back. But for me, it's Miles Turner because of the, the numerous teams that you could trade him to and his skill set. He can help so many teams right now in multiple ways and not just be one dimensional right now. So uh, with him averaging about 18 points a game right now, he could come in and be an immediate factor for a team looking to make a run. Mm. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I think as far as like season long, if we were to track all these I brought up, I would put my money on Miles Turner is going to be the one who gets moved. I personally think the most interesting is either the Nets and Joe Harris um, that, you know, that they're, they're kind of trying to shop Joe Harris because it's crazy to think how this guy's got lost in translation through <laughs> this whole mess. Like, remember when it was just KD and Kyrie and they were like, they got shooters around him. Like, Joe Harris, one of the best shooters in the league. Since that point, he's been pretty bad at shooting. Yeah. And, and so it's like, how do you revive this guy's career? They're, they have a mess all around them. Like, at least right now, it doesn't look like they're contending for anything. You might as well, like, trim the fat, try to get some assets back because Harris isn't helping them win right now. And then I kind of think a similar way with Max Struess and the Heat. Like the Heat looked dysfunctional yeah. at some uh, in some games this season. They look real bad. They're not getting you know. And I, I've I kind of said this on the podcast before. I don't like the amount that Hero Robinson and Struess all play in a game. I just think there's a lot of defensive liabilities when they play those mm -hmm. guys a lot of minutes uh, throughout a full game. So Struess, you know, everyone likes shooters. So Harris and Struess, um, for two teams who are struggling, who should be better than they are, I wouldn't be surprised if either of those two shooters get moved. Um, 
But that's probably going to do it for Happy Hour Hoops today. Thank you all for joining. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Steve and Amari. I'm Dunny. Follow Happy Hour Hoops. Follow all three of us on all socials. And enjoy your NBA and college basketball now that it's back. It's time of the year, baby. Yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Later, guys.